I'll never forget, we're sitting at the funeral home and uh, we're picking out, you know, like the frames and the flowers and all this stuff. And it's just an extremely emotional time. And uh, the funeral director sits us down and gives us three FedEx envelopes. And uh, that's how we found out that my dad had life insurance. Welcome to Talking Benjamins with your host, Benjamin. Hey, welcome to Talking Benjamins. I got Jordan Smith here today. He runs the Jordan Smith Agency, a branch of Goosehead Insurance. But what I really want to talk about with him today, what we'll we'll really get into, uh, is kind of carrying on the theme from last week. He... Uh, he had a corporate job. Everything was smooth. He got into, he said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go out and do my own thing. What's it going to be? And looking around, seeing what he's passionate about. And, and uh, yeah, he, he went the property and casualty insurance route. Here on Talking Benjamins, we talk about investing Benjamins. We talk about starting companies, anything revolving around, around the Benjamins. Um, but also, obviously, there's assets, there's yourself, that you, there's liability, there's things you need to protect. And obviously that's where, where insurance plays a role in our world. But really impactful in here is, is really his why behind everything and, and why he did what he did. Um, he's got a beautiful family, beautiful wife, and two wonderful kids. You know, and that, that's his secret weapon, weapon right there is, is his wife, Jennifer. She is impactful and awesome. And we'll get into all that, but I'm excited to have him here. But without further, well, a little bit, let's hit the disclosure. The purpose of this podcast is to entertain and inform, not to make any recommendations for you personally. So even if you think something you hear on this podcast is a good idea for you, don't do it. Consult a licensed professional that can work with you personally. And without further ado, Jordan Smith. But I think I can cut that time in half, you know, looking at a next uh, next go round with new employees. As soon as you fire these guys, additional employees, <laughs> and these guys will be their managers. So <laughs> they'll know exactly how to how to train them. That's good, man. Yeah. All right, so let's step all the way back. All right, so because yeah. this is the reason I want to interview you, this is super intriguing, because uh, obviously here on talking Benjamins, and we'll talk investing. We'll talk. Um, everything else, and, and, and we all have to make a living it somehow, right? Whether we like it or not, the, the world um, does take money to run. Um, we'll see how we'll see how many negative interest rates we can get on bonds and things, and <laughs> see how things unravel from that, there. That should work. Yeah. But for now, we're relying on Benjamins, right? We're, we're relying on money. Um, now, what I found super intriguing. So, just a little backstory between us: um, we've been neighbors for a little while. Um, actually probably the major reason that you purchased your home is because you saw my family out in the front yard and you're like, we should live close to these people. Pretty right? much. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for, thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> no. We're a serious all, deterrent all, when it comes to people moving in on our street. All six kids. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's only like four when you moved in. Yeah. 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 No, but that's what you want to look for. Honestly. I mean, if you see a street full of kids and you're planning to have kids, I mean, we do have a. I was going to say, because you guys moved there and you didn't have any kids, right? Yeah. All right on. Yeah, so we bought the house. We had a 
no kids, no responsibility other than being selfish. And, uh, yeah, that all changed within about a year. So, yeah. <laughs> Baptism by fire. Uh-huh. So the, so what were you, cause obviously things have changed for your life professionally. Um, obviously you could afford a house and at least convince a bank to give you money to afford a house. Um, the, uh, so what were you doing at that time to make a living? And then uh, kind of tell us a little backstory about what trans transitioned and, and what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, it's a completely different business than insurance, but basically I work for a retailer and I ran the merchandising division for one of our, what uh, for the electronics department. And so we, I mean, it was great. It was great overall experience. Uh, retail has kind of their hands in everything. So from, you know, merchandising operations, how stores look aesthetically to the clients or to the customers, I should say, uh, negotiating with vendors, uh, helping build programs for commission-based sales floor, and then also working in advertising and marketing very closely to, you know, to present to the public who we are, what we're doing. And so it was a well-rounded experience for me anyway. And uh, I felt like uh, I ended up doing it about eight and a half, almost nine years. And it was just... And that was your first job straight out of college? Uh, well, I worked during college. Okay. So during college, UPS and, you know... Uh, yeah. yeah, That's Chili's how my dad paid for college. He worked for UPS. Great company. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It paid for $1,000 uh, a semester for your school. Are you serious? If you, uh, if you hit C's or better, they reimburse you. That's so baller. Yeah. Yeah. So in Beaumont, that was about, you know... Not a whole lot of selection of uh, white collar jobs while you're in, especially while you're in college and probably yeah. not anywhere at that point. But uh, yeah, it worked out well for us. Right on. Yeah. Cool, cool. And so you're so you doing retail for mm-hmm. cons? Cons, yeah. Right and then so at what point in time, because I think all of us kind of have a, you know, when it comes to life and, and uh, you know, you meet a lot of people that are, oh, they're not huge fans of their job, right? Um, and you know, kind of part of us is there's security in having a job, obviously. Right. Um, but there's another part of us that doesn't want to, we want to enjoy what we're doing. Um, how awesome would that be? Um, and crazy as it sounds, most people don't make a living doing something they enjoy. So for you, what, what transpired or were, I say that maybe you were loving cons and you're like, no, I'm just bored. I mean, what, <laughs> what was the, what was the linchpin that, that, uh, instigated that change? I think I always wanted to do my own business at some point. I just didn't know what it was. Uh, so even pre-college working at UPS told, you know, kind of so like, yeah, this is cool. It's, it's filling a need that I have financially and helping me with school. Um, but I'd love to be my own boss at some point and just with my personality and the way that, uh, you know, I don't necessarily want to do things a certain way. I want to do them my way. And, right. uh, and cause there's a million ways to do it. And that's, what's so intriguing about small business is you can actually set your own plan and your own vision in place. And, uh, when I got to cons, uh, you know, I had, my entry was, 2000 a year or something. I was an assistant merchandiser. And to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm making tons of money. <laughs> like I was no kids, man. You're right out of college. Yeah. Married. This is, you know, what am I going to do with it all? Yeah. And, uh, but at some point the company got 
ran so lean uh, that we just had more control than we probably should have. And mm-hmm. so it was almost like running a small business. Well, when you told me, when you listed off kind of everything that you were doing at cons, I was, the, you know, my first thought was that kind of sounds like uh, three or four people's jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were running at like a 30 store chain whenever we ended up, at, you know, when I left 115 store chain. and trying to make that transition companies can't do it in retail you're either a mass merchant or you're a power regional trying to figure it out and so yeah and so once you know if you're at that level you basically can't structure the way normal big retailers can and so you yeah you have to find profit somewhere to, to try to compete with their pricing but yeah, anyway, back to your question, um, jumping into what drove me to small business is, uh, you know, I think cons filled that need for quite a long time. Uh, and then during my life, kind of switching over to how I got into insurance, um, you know, insurance has impacted, you know, and a lot of people have had this, this situation, but insurance has impacted my life in extremely positive ways. And then I can think of one instance where it was negative and it basically just regular PNC insurance, you know, that if I would have just taken the time to do it right, uh, yeah, I would have been, everything would have been okay. You know, and so you, in, in, a, in a way you can start a business with it and then you can also impact people's lives correctly with it. Uh, and so that kind of drove me a little bit. I have a family member who works for uh, State Farm and so it, may, it drew me closer uh, to the insurance business because I started knowing more about it as well. And so I think those two, those th- two things kind of led me over to where I'm at today. Right. All right. So in your personal experience with insurance, what, what are, you mentioned there's been some positive things and some negative things. What are some positive and negative things that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that has insurance impacted your, impacted your life? Cause I know for me, I mean, a lot of times you're thinking, you know, I, I think there was one claim. I can remember uh, mm-hmm. since I've been married, mm-hmm. um, besides all the cars I wrecked when I was a kid. Sure. <laughs> which I'm sure positively impacted my dad's life. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, but no, in, in your experience, because I mean, I feel like that, you know, that kind of creates a, uh, an anchor for a why behind, you know, uh, feeling good about what you're doing. What, what, what are those experiences for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, we had a couple small ones like uh, fender benders were auto. We were just taken care of, you know, all all the way through. Uh, I never had a roof claim, but my parents had a roof claim, and we had no idea you could actually claim wind and hail on your roof. And uh, the process is actually pretty easy. And so, for a, I think at the time it was like a fifteen thousand dollar roof. Uh, we ended up, you know, the parents walked me through it. They ended up paying their deductible and they got a new roof. And so that was pretty cool. Um, but I think by far the largest impact was actually with uh, life insurance. And so my father, uh, he actually passed away unexpectedly. And just to give you like a layout of our family. So I'm the oldest of two brother, two other brothers. Uh, there is a 10 year gap between us. So I end up kind of being like the uncle. And so when my dad uh, passed away, I had had my career going at cons. And so I was very, you know, financially stable at that point. Uh, and, but my two brothers were still in the middle of going to college. And the youngest one uh, was just transitioning from still living with my dad. And uh, two weeks, 
He passed two weeks before my youngest brother was supposed to move out for the first time and go to Texas State. Uh, he already had the apartment set up. He already had, you know, the tuition paid for yeah. and everything. And so it was like in the middle of a major transition, completely unexpected. And what was also unexpected is that we were, we, I'll never forget, we're sitting at the funeral home and uh, we're picking out, you know, like the frames and the flowers and all this stuff. And it's just an extremely emotional time. And uh, the funeral director sits us down and gives us, three FedEx envelopes, and uh, that's how we found out that my dad had life insurance. And so before that, we I mean, it was hard to even think that far ahead. And once the smoke clears and, you know, your emotions settle from something that, that dramatic, you start thinking, wow, what the heck would I do? What would my brothers do going into college without this? Because my, you know, my mom was actually in Saudi Arabia working for her company, uh, at the time, and uh, not a- not able to f- uh, financially support college for two kids based on what she was doing alone, and so they, you know, my, my dad and my mom obviously had an agreement worked out, and that was you know completely gone after that, right? Because there's no more income, and uh, and so the life insurance came in, and uh, to this day, there's no question in my mind, one of them would not have graduated college, uh, the other would have been extremely iffy. And, uh, and it just, as hard as it was, uh, it set us up correctly. And so after that, it was like, oh my gosh. And that was, I was probably seven years, eight years in con. So I would actually had achieved my, you know, the highest level that I was going to. And I think at that point, like you start looking at your life, looking at what you're doing and just kind of revisit everything. I probably should have jumped off the cliff to small business at that point. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the, there's a couple things that drive you, you know, you have so much invested in this company wearing all these different hats and you want to see it do well. And, uh, you know, so I ended up hindsight's 2020, but I ended up, uh, leaving in my mind, probably a year, a year too late. Uh, and, and part of it was, man, I'm going to leave to do, I'm going to leave a really stable job to do, to do something I know, I don't know a whole lot about basically <laughs> like starting over. Uh, but it was going to give me the opportunity to, you know, to be again, my, yeah. my own boss and my own vision and all that. So. Right on, man. And so yeah. and a lot of this, as far as your idea of that transition, so obviously there's a, there's a why behind there, but the idea of the transition, obviously that came from a cousin or an uncle or. Or why, why, you know, so yeah. that obviously you've been impacted by insurance, uh, but then your, your, was it a cousin that was in insurance? He was in insurance. Uh, it didn't drive the transition. I think yeah. this, you know, the allure of small business was to the vision again. So but, is it like, I want to do small business a, and then you start shopping what small business? Exactly. And so whenever, I mean, he was, it was so great to be. So he basically opened up his financials and said, Hey, here's what I invested, here's the debt I took on, here's how long it took me to get out of it. And so very high level financial review and then, uh, and then also still lean on him today for you know, advice as far as you know, just random things, whether it's lead generation or retention or uh, offering you know, best in class service, uh, what they do for the, you know, what they call best in class service. 
uh, versus what we're, you know, we're taught uh, at Goosehead because every company kind of has their own philosophy. And so the more philosophies you can join, you can combine together to kind of create your own, the more people you're probably satisfying. And so he was a really great mentor and, and still is in a lot of ways. Right. So it made it easier, like, if it just made it easier and made me more confident to, to jump into it. Yeah. So why Goosehead? Man, uh, so I looked at State Farm because of, and I don't want to talk bad about State Farm. No, they're, still, they're, they're one the, of the best. They're the biggest. <laughs> they're the biggest. Uh, they are the biggest. But uh, I think for me, the retention rate wasn't really where, uh, if I wanted to start and build a new business, the retention rate was an obstacle for me. Um, and it was mainly because of their inability to shop multiple companies. And so if, uh, if an insurance rate uh, were to raise their price, or an insurance company were to raise their price, and you either have an option for them or you don't, I'd rather have an option. Because I'd rather be on the side of my clients versus you know them just yeah. joining because of me. Uh, which is also great. Um, you know, if they like me, sure, I'll take, I'll take the business, but I'd like to be able to <laughs> offer value at the same so time. It makes feel good. Yeah. They must like me. They pay a higher premium to be with me. All right. Yeah. So, uh, and then also the Goosehead's is a guy like, uh, to me, what I found the most cookie cutter approach for a small business owner with some of the things already set up in place. So their IT systems are, you know, driven by Salesforce and are extremely efficient for PNC, quoting across multiple companies. Right. Um, and then the other thing was service. And so they have a centralized service location, uh, about 100 different uh, licensed PNC agents. And that's their qualification to be able to work there. About eight different languages spoken. And so you start thinking about, oh, well, you know, some of these, even the large agency houses, no matter what company you're with, have two service members. We have the knowledge capacity across a hundred different people with a different languages spoken and it allows them to be extremely good at service because that's all they do and allows us to be extremely good at writing the correct policies and learning all 40 different companies very quickly. And so we basically, the, comp- the way the model set up is it cuts all of our time in half so that we can grow quicker and affect more people. Right. So that was, that was the reason. And then, you know, you go to, as a small business entrepreneur, you go, you, you do your research, right? And so uh, Goosehead has a thing called Discovery Day. And so they basically tell you about the company and how they're structured and how they operate and try to recruit you and basically give you the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And, you know, you know that going in. You And, you know, go in with eyes wide yeah, open. Yeah, Kool-Aid like, tastes pretty good. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you can't fake growth. And yeah. uh, you walk in that office, that corporate office, and there's a buzz. There's people listed with a certain title that are doing something completely different and and you only get that when when a company when employees are excited and they feel like there's opportunity and and opportunity comes from growth and then you can kind of hear the numbers as well and so it all aligned for me and it just made a lot of sense so right on yeah no regrets zero what's the hardest thing about being a small business owner what's the hardest thing about that transition the first six months yeah brutal so <laughs> brutal paycheck uh, benefits and then boom exactly so the transition and for me i spent probably it was almost analysis paralysis but i spent a lot of time building out the financial plan uh 
and I built, you know, everything's based on revenue, how much revenue comes in, how much profit you're going to make. Built three different ones, basically an average, uh, blow the doors off, and then a conservative plan, it, just for financial planning so that sure. I knew how much income I had. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time doing that, but I, I probably should have got busier sooner, I think. Uh, but I was really cautious, you know, and, and that's just kind of my personality, and that's actually why it's a good fit for insurance, uh, because uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a skeptic, that's right? A, it's a paradox, right, where it's like those that really believe in insurance are going to be much more conservative, so they're not going to start an insurance agency. Right, right, <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, so, so just from that standpoint, I, I felt like I did the homework to do it, but you go through that process. So you're looking at your timeline to profitability and you're like, all right, well, I can take emotion out of this. And uh, by six months, I'll be here. By year, I'll be here. By year two here. And, and then you get in the middle of that six months, you're like, whoa, this, yeah. So I am not making money. And uh, like I said, I would. And uh, no, I don't, I don't like this at all. And, uh, <laughs> and so you, you figure out how to, how to speed that up, right? And so for that financial plan, actually ended up coming in between the blow the doors off and the average. And so right. we're sitting for new business production. We're about, about in the top 10%, uh, what well, we are in the top 10% of the company for new business production. You're in the top 10% of the company for new business production. Yeah. Is that like all of you guys combined? Yeah, so right now there's right under 600 of agencies. So there's 600 agencies. You're mm -hmm. one of the top 60. Yeah. And you've been in business for how long? A year and a, a little over a year and a half. Cool, that feels good, right? It feels good. Uh, part of it's the model. It really is. Uh, part of it's the hustle. Um, but I, yeah, it's the, it's the right combination. And, the, and that's why the, the fit was good for me. But yeah, you build the plan, you try to take emotion out and you just can't, like you can't take emotion out at some point. You have to factor that in. And so I think the, the great part for me is I had enough money to withstand that. But if, if I didn't, like the, the low income periods, but if I didn't, right. how much would the, the anxiety of going through that process affect my performance? Right. And so I, that's why, and Better I knew that your performance would go up. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if <laughs> it's need, need, need base there. No, I'm just, for, I'm just kidding. No, it's a, no, it's a good point. I think a good discussion it depends on your personality. Right. Uh, because if you're somebody that goes out all out all the time, you're not going to work harder. Right. Uh, you've already maxed that out. And so how else do you get it? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, yeah. I don't want to say work smarter, but I mean, at some point you're going to have to go through lower income than you're used to. Yeah. And so, uh, setting yourself up going into that, I think is probably one of the most important things, uh, setting yourself up financially to where you do, Hey, you know, I'm going to spend this much. I'm going to lose this much in income. Can I do this for a year to meet my plan? Great. Let me multiply that by two, uh, so that I'm extremely conservative in the planning. Yeah. So, you know, it's important that you say that because I find the exact same thing when people talk about wanting to start a business. Um, that's the big inhibitor is, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you if you really want it, then, you know, 
then save money so that you know you're going to have that loss for a time and then and then you can press go but then part of the problem is they can't save the money because they're living paycheck to paycheck right they can't turn the faucet off right it doesn't matter if they make 10 grand a month it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if they make two grand a month they find a way to spend all the money right um and then on top of that you know and that's where you know people kind of get fixed into i don't know i look at it as like the american way right where you know, it's like, okay, I get my car, so I have a car payment. I get my house, so I have a house payment. But furniture has to go in the house, and so I can go down to rooms to go and, and get it set up on, oh, interest-free for like 36 months. Are you kidding me? No brainer, right? And so now I have all these fixed bills. Um, so even if I wanted to live under a certain threshold, I owe people money, and I can't do it, right? And so you're, you're kind of stuck, um, and you end up being stuck at the job that's going to pay you and you go from there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As opposed to being able to control, control that faucet of how much, how much comes in and how much goes out. Right. Yep. Asset versus liability. Awesome. So what's been the, so this is what I found impressive as well. Right. So you, you did spend the time with the business plan and then you've been executing that business plan. Um, I mean, of the 600 goosehead insurance agencies, um, I mean, how many of them have multiple agents? Kind of like you have. I don't know. I don't know. There, sure. The model is, it's one of the only major agencies that that does have a larger majority of lone wolves, if you will. So right. just one person running it. Um, well, part of it's that service aspect that you talked about that is. Exactly. You have employee, you know, quote unquote employees that are built into the system um, yep. at home base. Yeah, don't know the number, um, but it is, it's harder, I think it's a little harder to scale than a captive agent because, because you're selling one policy in yeah. one system and, you know, one set of rules. And they're, they're all, they all change underwriting rules as they go, but it's easier to keep up with, right? right? And so it's, so it's probably less calls into underwriting to make sure they haven't changed and make sure this company does it this way, but I think... And so for that reason, from a knowledge base, a carrier knowledge base, if you're dealing with one versus 40, although they generally run in the same, you know, within the same uh, rules because the, you know, the state of Texas, but uh, some of them do things differently. And so building the knowledge base and hiring the people that had the capacity to be able to go across all those carriers, I think is a little bit different where... You know, if you're just working a call center uh, and and smiling and dialing and selling one policy, it's a, it's a, just a little bit different way to scale. Okay, no, absolutely. I couldn't imagine, um, and we've talked about this in the past, right? Because you know, we offer, um, we want to make sure that when we do planning for our clients, that they're in a similar position or their kids are if something happens to them, right? Like your experience, and so we we do make sure they have life insurance. Um, but to the same, I would find it so difficult to have one carrier and try to hustle that one. You know, it's it's like, yeah, I know that this person can get life insurance for a hundred bucks less a month, mm-hmm. um, but I'm gonna pretend like he can't. I, <laughs> I mean, I personally, it's so yeah. much easier to to go out and provide a service that you feel good about when you know you're providing something excellent at the best price. Right. And. Uh, and it, I find it fascinating because in, in the life insurance world, there's IMOs and FMOs and, and organizations like that that um, 
make it easy for folks like myself to um, to shop and, and find what's best for people, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to kind of dedicating to one carrier. Uh, but Goosehead is the only one I've seen on a large scale that um, is able to do that. Other private kind of independent, right? People that hang their own shingles saying, oh, I'm an independent insurance broker. Um, they have to hit specific numbers um, to get specific commission breaks and to get um, appointments. Appointments, yeah, access, mm-hmm. even access to them. It's like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you can have access to us, but you have to write at least uh, 30 grand. Right. And so you'll go to an independent agent that hangs their shingles and says, I'm independent. Um, but in reality, if it's October or November and they're, you know, 5,000 premium short to keep their appointment with pick the insurance company, um, you better believe they're going to be hustling that because they don't want to lose that appointment. Right. Which which uh, I find the goosehead model. Um, I'm always concerned about conflict of interest. Right. I feel like the goosehead model uh, helps remove that conflict of interest. And. And uh, I've been impressed by it. Yeah, so. yeah, and even but even Goosehead, it's pretty cool because they make you earn it too. So they're going to give you a base carrier appointment right off the start. Right. But your production's got to be at a certain level to get, say, the the last ten percent. So they're going to start you with you know uh, the carriers that will get the job done. I mean, you're not right. going to be uncompetitive, but uh, as far as getting higher quality type of clients, uh, you know, you got to prove yourself, prove your production, and then you can start making the case for the appointments. And, and it's great because they'll help facilitate it with you, uh, for you with, uh, you know, with that new carrier that you're, you know, that aspirational carrier that you want. And, uh, that's the other thing. So it's not just service. They have an operations team that, take again takes that off your plate and you're still focusing on growing sales versus spending time filling out paperwork for a carrier appointment which some of them ask for a lot of information you know and so it could end up taking your entire saturday you know and if you have kids you know you want to go see them on the weekend so you have kids for a reason right and uh so it just uh to take care of you when you're old right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so uh yeah now, so that, now, another impressive thing. So you've been in the, the game almost two years, less than two years, mm-hmm. right? And you've got two employees, um, and they're out there. They're sales agents now, right? Um, what's been the most difficult thing? And I, I guess what have you learned through that process, right? I mean, you'd mentioned, oh, things you might have done earlier, um, but as far as training them and getting them to do what you need them to do. Cause you don't, I mean, for a lot of different reasons, it's obviously there's, you know, self concerns when you want your employees to be successful and produce revenue and make you money. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time you want them to be successful, feel good about what they're doing and, right. and independently themselves have a successful career. So in that process of, of bringing them on and training them, um, what have been the challenges? What have been the successes? What have you found? Cause I think that's a, for all small business owners, right? They go out there and the first step is making a living. And it's like, sweet, I'm doing it, man. I'm not broke. <laughs> I, I'm making a living. And then they're like, okay, I want to make more money. And so they yeah. grind a little harder. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, now I work 80 hours a week and I need to, I, I need to fix this, right? I need to mm-hmm. invest and bring people on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but at the same time, I feel like uh, uh, one of the huge difficulties in a small business is being able to train that individual and make sure that they're able to have success themselves. Yeah. Um, I think for me, going in with employees, the number one focus was to make them successful. Um, because the more successful they are and the more they win, the more likely they're going to stay long term. And again, with the knowledge that you have to have in the in the broker industry, I think, you know, tenure is extremely yeah, time, time crucial. Manage, right? Yeah. Um, as far as what was what was the hardest, uh, I think making that transition from top salesperson to manager. Right. Because you still, you know, you're, you're still as the business owner making a, a more profitable sale if you're selling it yourself. But at some point, you're not better than two people. You know, you're just not. Even if you work 80 hours a week and they work 40 each, they're going to be more efficient because they're not, you know, they're awake at that point. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think that was probably, you know, the biggest challenge. And it still is, you know, a year and a half into it. It's like, okay, I'm still the number one writer but we're now I'm taking time out to make sure we're aligned. Uh, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier is mm -hmm. it aligned on terminology down to, you know, just like, Hey, this, this is what I mean. We're going to basically write our own language together. And, uh, so that we can move through this extremely quickly and be on the same page, uh, as a team, you know, and then, and then as you build a team, uh, the other benefit is like you start, you know, it's it's a marketing tool. You look bigger. You are bigger. Uh, you're you know you've got more resources, and and so whenever you're marketing out for a new business, you're you're you sometimes we go together, you right. know, as as one agency, just to kind of show that hey, look, this is not a a one person show. We've got you know somebody that's coming from the teaching field for the last ten years and ex is extremely meticulous. Uh, and you know, he's also the rock star of the group literally and figuratively. So everybody likes a rock star who, I mean, come on. And then the other guy who's a, who's a veteran and, uh, has two different nonprofits. That's extremely talented, been in the industry over six years. I mean, you, you start communicating like, Hey, this, you know, this, this combined, the combined resources we have of knowledge is, is setting us apart. Yeah. And so that's the things you work towards. And why you stop, you know, why you make the bet again. So it's like a whole new, a whole new bet, right? That, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose 20% or 10% of my monthly average sales volume. But, you know, in the next three months, I'm, we're going to make that leap with, with both of these gentlemen and, and be better as an agency, you know, once it's all done. Right on. So, so let's talk about the real superstar of your business, right? Your wife. Man. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty incredible. And that's one of those things we just how, fell how into. Much, yeah, say, how much is you and how much is her, right? I don't even know anymore. I was going to say, she's, she's part of the why anyway, right? So, but, uh, but she's a hustler, right? Man, she is. So she's our oh, business yeah. development. Right. Yeah, if you have, it took us, it, we're just kind of, you know, new to the industry, kind of figuring this out as we go. She, she sold makeup on Facebook and, right. uh, you know, they, she sold makeup on Facebook and we ended up, you know, we ended up starting to get 
you know, a lead every now and then for insurance because she'd be like, hey, we have a family business. And then uh, you start to see what's working and producing leads. And then you just actually start talking about the philosophy and then trying to communicate that through whatever platform you have. So ours happened to be Facebook. And, uh, and we've just made tweaks along the way to where there is a very strong foundation of new business coming in to where yeah, it got to one point where I couldn't even get to all of it. And so, and uh, it wasn't planned that way, but uh, I would have, ne- if I wouldn't have hired two people, I would have never been able to realize, you know, the, all of the leads. We wouldn't have been able to get to them. Right. Because uh, we're, we're working in two different channels. So she's obviously owning the Facebook channel. Um, and then we're, you know, we're out working with loan officers and realtors and financial advisors. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's access to a channel that we would not have, a, you know, we would not be participating in if she wasn't full-time uh, Facebook business development. And the crazy thing is, it's like, they've never met in life. They've met her, never met in person, but she's yeah. calling these people her friends. And it's like this whole different <laughs> still hard to world. Grasp, it it is, right. it is. And because uh, I remember before Second I started life. getting leads, I'm like, Jen, what are you? why are you on your phone? We're at lunch or we're at dinner or whatever. It's like, can we, can we have a conversation please? And now I'm like, Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll get the dishes, you know? And so, uh, it, it's, it was, I was blind to it as a husband too. Right. I was blind to what was really happening because, uh, you can't see every post. There's all these different groups, you know, that, that either you're participating in or you're not. And so, uh, it was a really unique, dynamic um the way she's doing it and and, you know you look at it and you say okay wow can i can i have business development in different channels that can produce like this and i mean one i don't know that's what kind of what the account executives are for and two will someone else have as much buy-in as my own wife right yeah so uh no (laughs) of course not (laughs) so uh i think we're happy with where we're at and uh, as far as business development, but she's she's absolutely incredible. Right on, man. Yeah. So as far as so obviously you come with a, a wealth of experience from from the retail world, and and you found a way to apply that. I mean, even taking the risks of bringing people on, right? That's money out of your pocket uh, up front as well. Um, what uh, what other resources have you gone to? Books? Anything? Would you recommend if if somebody's looking to start a small business? Um. I think it depends on the business. Uh, Goosehead did a good job of saying, hey, we align well with this book. So um, Fanatical Prospecting was a really great book that talked about pipeline management for somebody that wasn't directly in sales. Uh, managing a pipeline was a, I've heard of it, but it was the details of it were a little foreign to me. And so that, that helped extremely well. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, the book that you actually gave me, Pitch Anything, right. which is more about pitching on emotion and, and people in, versus an analytical pitch. And it's basically about connecting with people in a different way than the numbers. That was extremely helpful. Um, it, yeah, I don't think there's one book that does it. You have to continue to read and continue to educate. Uh, there's still a couple that I need to get to. Um, but I would also say at some point, you know enough, get busy working. 
get busy sharpening your saw, get busy learning the carrier. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, if you've got uh, an extra 30 minutes at night and you're, you're in month four and you don't know everything you should know about your business, where should you spend your time? And so you, it's, it's important to have a knowledge base going into it. Uh, and then, and then as you come up, you know, as you make, I guess, you know, with kids, you call them leaps as you make leaps with your understanding of the business, uh, then come up for new perspective with a, with a different book. So get busy doing, there you go. Just do it. Right. (laughs) What's the, what's the Phil, Phil Knight book, right? The shoe dog shoe dog was good. There you go. There shoe you dog go. was just good. Just do it, man. Just do it. Get moving. Relentless with Tim Grover was really good. That's about just, Hey man, this is, we're not going to sugarcoat anything. If you're not going to work, this isn't going to work. Kind of thing. <laughs> you finish the book. You're like, oh, okay, I'm going to stop reading for a while. I'm going to start working a little more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you had to say, what's your, um, well, I guess a good, better question before I ask that one, you have any regrets? about starting your own business zero zero so we're especially like it you go through so many emotions but when you come out on you start the plan starts to come to fruition mm-hmm. it just feels so good it feels so good uh you know it's your little baby and uh and i don't know it's a, it's a more satisfying feeling than clocking in to you know a big corporation yeah and what do you like the most about being a small business owner? I think the the flexibility, the future flexibility, uh, the to jump into other businesses, you know. And, and I think, yeah, I, I love insurance, and I, I would never. I love the business model. I love the way it works. I love how it helps people. Um, I would never leave it uh, at this point. But I mean, if there's something that I can add to you know, to continue to add value to those same clients. I think, I think it's something I'm more than open to. And so I would have the flexibility to do that. Um, and then also have flexibility to spend time with my family because at some point, you know, in the corporate life you're for me anyway, I was pushing 70 hours a week quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you get home, you leave before your kids wake up, you get home after your kids go to sleep if they're young, uh, which mine were, and, and you start looking around like, man, uh, where's my quality of life at? And so I think there's, there's also a light at the end of the tunnel uh, for, for a better quality of life, especially as the kids get o- older and need a dad and need a mentor and need somebody to, you know, help, help guide them through all the craziness that we, you know, that we've all grown up with. So. Right on, man. Yeah. What, uh, so you mentioned the future. What do you see? You look down the road five, 10 years with your small business. Where do you see your Goosehead insurance agency going? The agency, I think it's, yeah, I think, uh, I should say Jordan Jordan Smith agency, right? Not, not Goosehead corporate, but Goosehead you continue to grow. Uh, and then if there's, if there's, uh, other businesses that cause, cause in small business, what I'm like, here's the difference between large corporations who operate in commoditized spaces versus small business where every, there's a million different ways to do it. You start looking for partners and you start realizing, wow, 
I am partnering with someone just because the client already knew this person, but is it really the right person for them? And, you know, because you get into situations like uh, an example is like, okay, somebody was buying a new home and uh, they were having debt to income issues. And they wanted me to basically help them meet those issues by giving them a piece of paper that said they have insurance, but if they ever had to use the insurance, they, it wouldn't be there because the deductibles were at 5% or, you know, and I'll get technical here, right. the roof was actual cash value, which basically could end up being zero because it calculates in depreciation. And it's just like, no, that's, that's not real insurance. And, uh, and so you're, as a small business owner and professional, you're going through looking for other like-minded people. For me, it's quality and setting people up for the long term. And uh, I think that's the, the biggest part. And so that would probably drive me. If, I, if there is a gap somewhere uh, that, it, that I just don't feel like it's being done correctly, uh, I would probably look to add on in that way. Don't know exactly what it is yet, but I would like to add on that way. So it's either real estate, home inspection, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it could be a collision center, which probably would never be, you know, never be anything like that. But uh, I mean, anything that we're tied to, anything that we refer out or get referrals from. Gotcha. Yeah. Man, I'm now you got my, now you got my wheels turning. <laughs> Right, <laughs> two more podcasts. And right. <laughs> Starts with insurance, man. It's like every time you have a claim, make sure you give me a call. Perfect. Here's what you need to do: you need to go to my auto shop. Um, <laughs> I'll have my service pro come out and uh, air out your uh, your house. Now, can you? That's it's part. A, it's part of taking great, care of the client. Though. Absolutely no, and I agree, right? Because you can you can create a situation which works best for your clients. Very cool, man. Like what you think. Like what you think. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to your Benjamins, right? What uh, what do you find the best use of your money is? Hmm. I should probably meet with my financial advisor more on this. <laughs> uh, right now, it's you know, right now it's investing in the business, or yeah. was investing in the business. Um, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm still so focused on, on Goosehead. There's not, you know, there's not a whole lot of time for me to think. And so that's why I've actually, for, you know, you're my wealth advisor. And so that's why I gave you the 401k to say, Hey, just make it go up. I don't care. <laughs> like, let me, give me a login so I can see it. Uh, well, and part of, from an investment standpoint as well, though, and this is something we, you know, we always, no matter who we're talking to when it comes to small business owners, Right. I mean, it is important, yes, to, to create systems that grow wealth outside of your business. However, as far as return on investment, you're never going to make more money outside of your business than inside of your business. Right. right. So if, right. if it's like, oh, I want something return on investment of, of 80 percent, you know, a year. And it's like you better look inside your business for that because your chances, your chances of success on a right. return on investment are much higher inside your business. You're saying, oh, I want to invest $10,000. I'm, I'm going to start doing, you know, it's like, well, that's great. Well, you know, we can set up an investment that, you know, however, if you invest $10,000 into your business on a, on a campaign and it pays back, 
uh, eightfold, yeah, okay. You mm-hmm. know, that's the, you can you should be investing inside your business, or you hire the next rock star, or, or whatever it is. Sure. Um, now, obviously, the return on that can also be zero. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, but at the same time, that's true in the investment. But you'll never that's know an investment that, better, right? It's your own exactly, company. and you have you do have some sort of control over that, um, as you found with, uh, you know, you can do things to help their success. Uh, your your two employees now, so that's awesome, man. So if there's anything else that uh, that you could share with us when it comes to being successful in business and successful in life, what would it be? This is your soapbox, man. This is this is your let it ride. I mean, there's only like 380,000 people that are going to listen to this. Really? So what would you want to share with them? Uh, Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, I think integrity, uh, character, and integrity. I mean, if you're approaching it, um, one of my big things is quality of service, not just. Not just getting a sell today, but actually taking care of someone. I think if you approach it from the person perspective, uh, uh, that's a real human being, uh, you'll get the right clients, one, and two, you'll, you'll be taking care of them. And so they'll be happy, they'll tell their friends, and you'll continue, you know, snowball that way and grow, grow the business right. Don't be desperate. Financially, you know, plan correctly so that you're not desperate to put yourself in a situation to to sell something that you shouldn't be selling and so uh, yeah if you can remove all those obstacles have those some guiding principles uh, that you know any normal person would agree that that's the right thing to do I mean I, I think it's that simple yeah yeah desperation's pretty easy to sniff out isn't it um yeah now that's the hard part though you're a small business owner you're not but in those first six months you felt some desperation. Oh, I stunk. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it, it's new and your eyes are wide it's open. It's so hard, but you can't, but you can't come, but you know, but you can't, you can't share that desperation to your potential client. Right. Right. Whether that's, and, and again, that's a hard thing not to share. Obviously, you're not like, hey, dude, I'm desperate. Can you please buy your insurance from me? Right. You're obviously not doing that. However, you know, there's ways to follow up that are classy. There's what, you know, because... I feel like, uh, man, a lot of that desperation comes to, you know, those hard arm twisting. As soon as somebody starts twisting my arm, it's like, you know, you almost start to sniff the desperation. You're like, I'm already out. Like uh, this process already started. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with sales. This process already started. I can tell you I'm already out. <laughs> so, yeah. but, uh, no, yeah. Don't smell desperate. It sounds like you've read pitch anything. So yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> There's no clothes. I'm just walking out of here. I'm sure you guys will call me, obviously, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Hey, well, thanks for being with us. Anything else you want to share? No, sir. No, that's it. You that's ready to go it. back to work? That's, None yeah. of this fluff stuff. Get back and grind, man. It's Friday. It. We got stuff to do. That's it. Let's go. Got to get some work done before the end of the day. Hey, Jordan Smith, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thank you. All right. All talking right. Benjamins. Thanks. See you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Benjamins. If you would like to follow us on Instagram, it would be our pleasure to be followed at TalkingBenjamins1. That is at TalkingBenjamins, the number one. Also, you can find us at TalkingBenjamins.com for show notes and our blog. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed, we highly encourage you to leave a positive comment. 
If you didn't enjoy, feel free not to comment. And either way, out of the goodness of your heart, text someone the link to this episode if you think they would enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins. Talking Benjamins.